الحمد لله الحمد لله الذي هدانا سبلنا الحمد لله الذي هدانا صراطا مستقيما يهدي من يشاء ويضل من يشاء وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله لا معبود بحق سواه إذا قضى أمرا فإنما يقول له كن فيكون وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وهادينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبده ورسوله وما كان الله ليعذبهم وأنت فيهم وما كان الله معذبهم وهم يستغفرون من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعصي الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له أما بعد Dear committed Muslims There is one issue <clears throat> that is looked upon, not very much thought through, but looked upon from different angles, by different people, at different times, on different occasions. And that issue or that question is obviously we are living today I'm talking about the Muslims in the world are living today probably in the worst chapter of their history so far we are at the bottom of the bottom there's nothing wrong with clarifying this issue let's not fool ourselves and say we are on top of everything and doing very well when all of these wars and this bloodshed and this breakdown of communication between and among different Muslims so we are in a pathetic condition we have to we have to confess we have to look at reality and say well this is where we are as a whole so the question becomes how did all of this begin why have we reached the abyss when we were at the top 
When did all of this begin? How did all of this begin? Some people, Muslims, as I said, their notions, they really haven't thought through this as is required. But they've inherited some information. And some of them say, well, actually this began when Muslims lost control of their own destiny, of their own affairs. And that was when Muslims ceased to have a government that they can call their own. Okay, that's a general statement, but when did all of this begin? Did it begin in 1924 when the Ottoman Sultanate no longer existed, as some individuals would say? Or did it begin before that, when the Muslims beca- became, when the Muslims had multiple governments and authorities? There was a, a government in Egypt that had nothing to do with the government in Baghdad, that had nothing to do with the government in Far East Asia, that had nothing to do with the government in Morocco. When this, when the spread of these numerous authorities began, that's when we began to have our problems. This is what some people say. Other people would say, no, our problems really began when the 40 years that the Muslims enjoyed Islamic rule with the differences among themselves, they enjoyed Islamic rule 10 years during the Prophet's time in al Madina, and the 30 years after the Prophet's time when his successors ruled. After that, we began to have the problem that we are living with today and the miseries that go with it. Some others say, no, actually the problem began in As-Saqifa. When the Prophet died, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him and his, when the Muslims had their arguments and disagreements and contentions and between the Muhajireen and the Ansar, the cream of the crop of the Muslims, Al-Muhajireen and Ansar, they couldn't see the issue the same way or in a monolithic way. So some people attribute the beginning of the decline of Muslims from that day when the Prophet passed away. This is what we have. If you investigate or if you ask questions and you pick people's minds, they're going to give you all of these types of answers and probably one or two others. Allahu A'lam. I would like to say these are partial answers to a sequence of events. None of these are totally wrong. When someone is telling you what the type of answers they're trying to trace, where's the root of the problem, and they give you the type of answers that I just expressed, they are partially right. They're not totally wrong, no. But there's another way of looking at this to understand it 
in the the larger scope of things the problem existed during the time when the Prophet alayhi wa alihi was alive the problem the, the cumulative problem that we have today had its beginnings in the lifetime of Allah's Prophet that's where the issue began and we don't have the time and the luxury right now of referring ourselves to there's two surahs in the Quran that dwell on the origins of this problem in particular two surahs Surah Al-Ma'idah and Surah Bara'ah or At-Tawbah Al-Ma'idah was the last surah that was revealed and the surah before the last surah that was revealed was Surah At-Tawbah, Bara'ah these two finalizing surahs of revelation shed light on the context of the Muslims or Islamic society during the time of Allah's Prophet and because we don't have time to go through the whole range of ayat I will quote one ayah, ayah 47 in Surah At-Tawbah and the ayah says لَوْ خَرَجُوا فِيكُمْ مَا زَادُوكُمْ إِلَّا خَبَالًا وَلَا أَوْضَعُوا خِلَالَكُمْ يَبْغُونَكُمُ الْفِتْنَةِ وَفِيكُمْ سَمَّاعُونَ لَهُمْ وَاللَّهُ عَلِيمٌ بِالظَّالِمِينَ This ayah is saying that you all of you committed Muslims among you there is there are some of these people who are with you they are praying in the masajid with you they are fasting Ramadan with you they are doing all of these ritualistic obligations with you and if they were to have the upper hand they would cause confusion and disarray among you and then this is where you have to pay close attention the word of Allah says and among you the committed Muslims the cream of the crop there are those who are keen on listening to them. وَفِيكُمْ سَمَّاعُونَ لَهُمْ وَاللَّهُ عَلِيمٌ بِالظَّالِمِينَ Among ourselves, in our own selves, we have those who it's very hard for them to give of what they have 
for Allah. It's hard for them to sacrifice. It's hard for them to struggle. It's hard for them to prove their iman. Okay, that's to be expected. You see, there are categories in the Qur'an, words in the Qur'an that refer to these types of people. Besides this ayah, you will find words in the Qur'an such as al-munafiqeen. This is one of the categories of these types of people. You will find another word in the Qur'an that says فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ مَرَضٍ In their hearts there is a disease. And there is المرجفين And there is الأعراب And there are other key terminologies in the Qur'an that refer to this class of people among us, with us, within us and we read these ayat and we just travel by them as if we're not learning anything there's another ayah in surah al-ma'idah this ayah is number 41 it says ya ayyuhar rasul allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking to his beloved prophet and saying O Apostle, لا يحزنك الذين يسارعون في الكفر. Don't feel bad. Don't be saddened. Don't be depressed by those who rush towards الكفر. من الذين قالوا آمنا بأفواههم وَلَمْ تُؤْمِنْ قُلُوبُهُمْ From those types of people that they say, we are mu'mineen. آمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ They say one thing and then in practice or they give the impression with their tongues that they are going in one direction but in practice they are going in the opposite direction. وَمِنَ الَّذِينَ هَادُوا Allah is saying to his dear prophet and don't be upset or distressed or under pressure don't feel that you're under pressure because of الَّذِينَ هَادُوا this is in reference to if we would take today's words and place it in that time the Zionist Jews Don't feel, you know, under stress because what they are of what they are doing. Samauna lil kathib. Remember the ayah Samauna lil kathib in Surah Tawbah. Well, here in Surah Al Maida, we encounter the same words and the same description. Samauna lil kathib. Those who say Amanna. And they claim that their iman is superior to everyone else. You can identify him in your own context, in your own contacts. Samma'una lil kathib. 
They are keen on listening to fabrications and lies. How much fabrications and lies do we have in today's world? You turn on the TV, you listen to commentators, you read the press, you do whatever you do. And then you're listening, most of what you're listening to are lies that come from power centers. People who have military power and they have financial power. It's easy to identify where this, all of this is coming from. These people who, this is, remember, we are speaking about Muslims in the time of Allah's Prophet. And Allah is diagnosing the hypocrisy, the dual loyalty, the, be, the potential betrayal of treacherous Muslims. They listen to another category of people who never came to you, O Prophet. Allah is, these are Allah's words. Who are these people who never came to the Prophet? This ayah and these words are in reference in that time to the superpowers, people who had military strength, structures, governments, military strength, and financial wherewithal. And as concerns the development of Islamic history after our Prophet's time, it turns out that some of the deleted history that we need to work on is these people who were in, in the Prophet's time, who Allah is exposing in these ayat, they had connections with the Byzantines. That's like in today's world having connections with the USA. One of the chapters of history that much effort has gone into trying to bury it, delete it, is the fact that Abu Sufyan met with Heraclius. Abu Sufyan, the chieftain in Mecca, meets with Heraclius, the Roman governor of the Levant. And we know, some of us at least, reading some of our history know, that the Umawi family, or tribe, or whatever you want to call it, had good relations with the Byzantines in Damascus prior to the advent of the Prophet, during the mission of the Prophet, and here's where it gets muddy, and not many Muslims are, are aware of it, and after Allah's Prophet passes on, that connection was there. That's why this ayah is saying, Among you Muslims, who are living with the Prophet and praying with the Prophet and doing the rituals of the Prophet, 
you are listening to other people. And Samaun is a, an emphatic noun, which means you are keen on listening to other people. And there was a, uh, what you may call an ambassador. In those days, the ambassador didn't mean what it means today. Ambassador was a, a, a person of contact between Quraysh on one side and the Byzantines on the other side. And that person's name is Qutbah. Why is this vital, important information, why is it absent from our minds? When we pose the question, why are we in the condition that we are in today? Why are we at the bottom of the world? And then we begin to entertain partial answers to the question. Oh, this is because, you know, there's no longer uh, Ottoman Sultanate. Or there's no longer a central authority. Or there's no longer Al-Khilafa Al-Rashida. Or there's no Imam leading the Muslims. All of these, as I said, are not totally wrong. There's, le- there's legitimacy to these types of answers. But they are partial answers that don't go to the root of the problem. And the root of the pl- problem began and continu- began in the time of our Prophet and continued after the time of our Prophet. We know that Al-Ghassasina, there were some Arabian tribes that lived in what is today Jordan and Palestine and Northern Arabia called Al-Ghassasina. Al-Manavira were like the uh, proxies of the Persian Empire and Al-Ghassasina were the proxies of the Byzantine Empire. And we we know, or at least we should know, that at one time Al-Ghassasina were planning and plotting an attack against Al-Madina. This is vital and relevant information that should be on everyone's mind when they ask themselves, so where did all of these problems begin? A, a, a very important chapter from our history is non-existent virtually. You have to dig deep into these books to put the pieces together. And you remember that there were three individuals who would who refused to go to do their military service. And these three individuals are mentioned in this surah in the Quran. The wording of the ayah is وَعَلَى الثَّلَاثَةِ الَّذِينَ خُلِّفُوا One of those three, his name was Ka'ab ibn Malik. There was correspondence between Ka'ab ibn Malik and the Byzantine authorities. Why doesn't this figure in to our analyses of what went wrong? Why are we living the current circumstances that we are living? So when we get 
we begin to put these pieces together, which the illegitimate rulers took away from our body of information, we begin to figure that there was a type of alliance between among those who were living in the time of the Prophet who were keen on listening to superpowers and to corporate powers, if we can call them that, and between the Zionists of that time and between the Byzantines. Among these three, there was a, a type of alliance that doesn't come out clear. An alliance that had its roots when the Qur'an was being revealed. So, when the ayah says, سَمَّعُونَ لِقَوْمٍ آخَرِينَ لَمْ It means among you the Muslims of Al-Madinah. who honor your individual Islamic obligations. No one said any of these individuals were not fasting or praying or doing all of these rituals. They were all doing that. But they are condemned and exposed by their allegiance and their loyalty. It wasn't to Allah and His Prophet. It was to people who had money, and people who had power. The Byzantines. What they do is they change the meanings of words to suit their own interests. Just like what is happening, we'll come to some of this in the second khutbah. Like what is happening in today's world. There are people who are samma'u, not only people, there are quote unquote scholars who are samma'una liqawmin akharina lam ya'tuk. Yuharrifuna al-kalama min ba'di mawadi'ah. They'll say, if something is revealed and it coincides with your interests, you take it, you accept it. But if something is revealed that is not compatible with your interests, be cautious. Which means... We're not going to necessarily accept what Allah is telling us if it conflicts with our interests. So the answer to the question, why are we where we are today? What happened to us? Where did all of this begin? We have a bitter pill to swallow. We have a painful concession to express. And that is, we are unable, I'm not saying all of us, I'm saying the overwhelming majority of us, or else we wouldn't be where we are today. What has happened to us 
is not a freakish thing that happened. What happened to us is because what we have done to ourselves. وَمَا اللَّهُ بِظَلَّامٍ لِلْعَبِيدِ وَمَا ظَلَمْنَاهُمْ وَلَكِنْ كَانُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ يَظْلِمُونَ ذَلِكَ بِمَا قَدَّمَتْ أَيْدِيكُمْ All of this we have to acknowledge and shed this type of sectarian polarization and sectarian division that we are in and go back to the root of the problem and understand our Prophet's time by understanding today and understanding today by understanding our Prophet's time. وَأَسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهَ لِي وَلَكُمْ And may Allah forbid that we be included within the meaning of the ayah فَاسْتَحْوَذَ عَلَيْهُمُ الشَّيْطَانِ فَأَنْسَاهُمْ ذِكْرَ اللَّهِ اُذْكُرُوهُ وَادْعُوهُ وَتُوبُوا إِلَيْهِ جميع المحامد على جميع النعم وصلى الله وسلم على المبعوث خيرا ورحمة وهدى لكافة الأمم محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم Dear committed brothers and sisters now let's try to visit some of the real developments in our current space and time. We will take a look at those who are governing, controlling, misbehaving, and oppressing in the Arabian Peninsula. First and foremost among them are the rulers in Riyadh and Jeddah. They don't rule, mind you, they don't rule from Mecca and Al Medina. Has anyone ever asked themselves, why is it that when the Prophet was ruling, he didn't rule from Mecca? He never ruled from Mecca. There's a reason for that. Why did he rule from Al Medina when he had established an Islamic authority, an Islamic power base in Al Medina, in Al Hijaz, in the Arabian Peninsula? He never moved the seat of power from Al Medina to Mecca. He didn't do that. It is because of the information that you just heard of in the first in the in the previous thirty minutes. That's why 
And since that time, we've never had rulers who ruled from Mecca or Al Medina. They ruled from Damascus. They ruled from Baghdad. They ruled from Cairo. They ruled from other countries and other regions and other cities, but never from Mecca and Al Medina. Our goal, the goal of the Muslims the world over, is to see to it that we finish what the Prophet began. And if the Prophet, because of the necessities of those times, stayed in Al Medina and did not move the seat of authority and power to Mecca that responsibility is left to us. So we have these rulers right now who are true to the tyrannical types of rulers. In the past week, of course from Jumu'ah to Jumu'ah we try to pick up on the developments in between. So in the past week, those Samma'oon Liqawmin Akhareen in Arabia, they rounded up a number of journalists and academics and public figures. And then they said a couple yesterday or in the past 48 hours, they released four of them. One of them, his head was shaven. This is, they continue, you know, they get their orders. They get their orders and they obey. They don't obey Allah. Jumu'ah is not a day of taqwa. They don't dwell on the issues of social justice, equality. So they get, try to get away with all of this. An ex-Israeli minister who happens to be from one of the Arabian minorities in colonized Palestine. I don't want to say what type of Islamic... Des- he, has, he has a Muslim name. He comes from a Muslim family. But if I disclose his madhab let's call it then we're going to begin to have some some type of sectarian notions and feelings that are going to erupt suffice it to say this is the type of person ex-minister employed by the zionists who said he cannot deny or confirm a meeting between mbs and Netanyahu. This is a diplomatic and a subtle way of beginning to disclose to the public what is going to become news items in the future. The news out of that tortured part of the world 
said that one of the scholars, Islamic scholars in Arabia, was supposed to have received his verdict from a court of law. They call it a court of law. It's their kangaroo court. This week, but we haven't heard anything yet. We don't know whether they passed a judgment against him and kept it secret or whether they never convened the final court session to pass that legal judgment. We don't know. At least up until a few hours ago. In the past week, the Saudi regime has released, according to some news reports, 200 prisoners from Ansarullah. There have been discussions, meetings, negotiations between representatives of Ansarullah and the Saudi regime in Oman and in Jordan. And as a result of that, it seems like the Saudi misrulers have convinced themselves, those who are making the decisions, that this war in Yemen is not winnable. So they're beginning to show us a type of defeat in what they are doing. They didn't release 200 Ansarullah members because of the kindness of their own heart and because of Islamic brotherhood and because of a higher moral value. No! It's because they are feeling that they've been defeated in their bones. And during the past few days, MBS goes on a surprise visit to the United Arab Emirates to discuss how to disentangle the Saudis from the Yemeni quagmire. He goes to, MBS goes to the Emirates immediately after meeting with the American chief of staff who was making his rounds in that area. Here it is. سَمَّعُونَ لِقَوْمٍ آخَرِينَ لَمْ يَأْتُوكَ Do we read the Quran? And then in the past 24 hour, another news item comes along. There's two boxers, Andy Royce and Anthony Joshua. If the Arabic press has it right, this news item is taken from Arabic sources, not English. Or I think it was, it was extracted from the Daily Mail in Britain, this news item that said these two boxers were supposed to fight in Madison Square or somewhere else, but when they were given $107 million to have the fight in Ad-Dara'iyah, Ad-Dara'iyah is the birthplace of Wahhabism, not far from Al-Riyadh where a stadium was built specifically for sports events a stadium that has the capacity of 15,000 viewers. 
سماعون لقوم آخرين لم يأتوك we are, we are looking at them except we can't see them through the lens of the Quran and those Muslims, preachers and speakers who are supposed to know better and express better they don't want to deal with these issues and then we have Israel that artificial limping nation state that claims that it is the only democracy in the Middle East and then it expels the representative of Human Rights Watch What's, are you afraid of Human Rights Watch? Have you, have, you, have you noticed in the past few years there's no mention especially during this administration here in Washington there's no mention of Human Rights Watch Amnesty International and these types of organizations that used to foam and lather the news items about the violations of human rights why are they all of a sudden silent if it wasn't for the tyranny of money and the tyranny of militaries and then the Israeli Pimping nation state, tribal state, is beginning to feel that it is losing credibility in Europe. The boycotting, especially by the younger generation, of that cancerous political, military, lethal, murderous regime is beginning to sound the alarm bells inside the war criminal the meeting rooms of the war criminals in colonized Palestine Canadian students in York University expelled forced an Israeli delegation to leave this is a new world as far as the Israeli Zionist colonizers are concerned. And then we had a sneak visit. Trump goes on a, they call it, you see, uh, watch the media, their selection of where they call it a surprise visit. It wasn't a surprise visit. That was a sneak visit to Afghanistan. He wants to speak to Taliban now. Their own creature, some of them, who they could not, they thought they'd draw them to the battlefield and defeat them there. Now they realize we couldn't defeat them, so let's try to defeat them in some other way. Then we have from two individuals who are billionaires from the United Arab Emirates one of them his name is Hussein Sajwani who is a friend of the occupant of the what are we gonna call the White House now the Red House the Black House 
And we don't, please don't take, you know, the gender or the racial or any of this, the other stereotypical issues into consideration when we have nothing to do with any of that. This person, Trump's friend, he is acquiring what is called Roberto Caval- Cavalli Fashion House. And this is the one who opened what is called the Trump International Golf Club in Dubai in February 2017. As if we the Muslims are in good shape, we have extra cash, and someone who has that extra cash among us, he wants to go and acquire a fashion house in Italy or whatever it is. They belong, they belong to the same religion. Trump and Sajwani and the third person from the United Arab Emirates by the name of Khalaf Habtur who in the last couple of days said that the Gulf state should normalize. He says this publicly and he says it with a wide mouth. The Gulf states states like Kuwait and Qatar and Bahrain and United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia and Oman, they should normalize their relations with Israel. You see where all of this is coming from? Is it coming from a poor Mustadaf person? Who's doing all of this? In the past week, scores of the Saudi troops and mercenaries on the borders of Yemen have either been killed or injured. This is something that we should pay attention to. This is Muslim blood that is flowing and it is flowing because our minds are not functioning. You can see this by you know the, those who come and go by. They don't want an Islam that makes them think. They want an Islam that makes them feel comfortable inside with all of the injustice and oppression around. That's the type of Islam they want. There is a prince in Jordan, from Jordan, Ghazi. His name is Ghazi. He met with the Israeli president in the Jordanian embassy in London, England. The sick man of Europe. Let's call Britain the sick man of Europe. Like they, they called some of, you know, in our history, they called some of our governments sick, the sick man of Europe. Well, we throw the, uh, we bounce the ball back to you. There's a military base in Abu Dhabi that's going to be the flagship base of the European forces in the Gulf. And then we have a soccer match between Kuwait and Jordan. In Jordan, two teams are playing and some of those who were present watching the match, they began 
yelling words and statements like long live Saddam Hussein and they were arrested what does that say about a nation state that can't tolerate people who are shouting you know you agree or disagree that's another issue but people have a right to express themselves and if you understood what happened in the past 20 years between Kuwait and Iraq then you'll understand why they were shouting the way that they were shouting the issue here is not whether they what they are saying is right or wrong the issue here is what type of nation-state is it that can't tolerate freedom of expression? And then we have a, a Spanish judge who wants to refer the legal case of a person by the name of Rifat al-Assad. This person is the uncle of Bashar al-Assad. He was in charge of the military and the massacre in Hama in 1982. And he attempted a coup against his own brother, the president of Syria at that time, Hafez al-Assad. He wasn't successful. He fled his own home country, Syria, and he went to Europe and he took with him $300 million. And he began to invest in real estate in France and in Spain and all of these areas. He, left Syri he fled Syria in 1986. He has 507 estates in Spain alone around 695 euros that's what they're worth so he said this person was running a laundering operation in other words obtaining illegal financial transactions through his family by the way he's wanted in syria we're not talking about a person who's on friendly terms with his own family, with his own government, with his own people. So he's running an operation using his eight sons and two of his four wives. These types of crooks that we have have to be exposed brother and sisters brothers and sisters and the few voices that there are in the world who are trying to expose them we hope they, these voices will be amplified and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will show us that the enemies of today have over 14 centuries of roots and history if we begin to understand that we will begin to understand 
why all of these movements of the Zionists, the imperialists, and the Arabian proxies are trying to bring down the only Islamic power base that the Muslims have, that we can, with all of the ups and downs and all of the maybe miscalculations from time to time, but it's the only Islamic base that the Muslims have in the world. And they're fomenting against it uprisings and riots and demonstrations and protests and hooligans and agents and mercenaries in Iraq, in Lebanon. We can't see this because we refuse to speak our Quranic language and think with our Allah-given minds. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna tiba'ah wa arina al-batila batilan warzuqna ijtinabah wa la taj'alhu multabisan alayna wa ja'alna lilmuttaqina imama Rabbana aghfir lana dhunubana wa israfana fi amrina wa thabbit aqdamana وانصرنا على القوم الكافرين ربنا أفرغ علينا صبرا وثبت أقدامنا وانصرنا على القوم الكافرين ربنا أفرغ علينا صبرا وتوفنا مسلمين ربنا لا تجعل في قلوبنا غلا للذين آمنوا ربنا إنك رؤوف رحيم ربنا افتح بيننا وبين قومنا بالحق وأنت خير الفاتحين ربنا صل على محمد وآله الطاهرين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون وأقم الصلاة أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح